0: Thanks for joining us on our C3 Edinburgh podcast. We really hope this message inspires and encourages you in your life with Jesus. To find out more about our welcoming and vibrant church community, please check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Keep in touch and be part of the story. Now enough from me. You've come to hear the podcast and be blessed. So um, we've been going through our In Him series, it's on the screen behind me, there it is, beautiful little painting thing behind it. And, um, you know, I want to share something that I don't know if we've spoken into in um, this past month, and uh, it's, it's this, this one thing, every single one of us has been uh, affected by our past But also, at the same time, every one of us has been affected by a moment, one moment in time that happened. And uh, it was by one action, and that action. Was done by a guy called Adam. You know, we've all heard of him. He's in the garden. God's there. Eve's there. There's like the snake that we don't really know if it is actually is a snake because the word means a lizard kind of. So it's probably got legs. And uh, you know, there's the fruit. There's everything that they could have ever dreamed of in this garden. And God says to them, "Look, these. This. There's this one tree that you know. I just, uh, just don't. Just don't eat that. You know, that's mine. Just. Uh, just leave it there. You can literally have." everything else and uh, Adam makes this one decision to um to eat that piece of fruit we don't know if it's an apple either there's always imagery around the fact that it's an apple it could have been a grapefruit for all we know and that would have been quite funny because he would have eaten it and then his face would have just gone (laughs) because grapefruits are very very sour and you know he um he made this one decision he was uh You know tempted by the the snake speaking words into into his life um and through this this one act that adam did this one decision that he made um all of humanity from that moment has had this disposition towards living for ourselves it's like a generational thing that happens throughout all of all of man and we have this disposition towards living for ourselves, towards um, hating over loving, towards um, fear, towards self protection, towards uh, going after our own desires. And it's really shifted the way that our society thinks and acts because we live because we need to protect ourselves, but actually that's not God's intention for our lives because the way that we were created was to be under the protection and in the love and presence of God. So, you know, this is when we see this, uh, this thing in people, it's why people get stuck in habits, it's why we um, think negatively all the time because it's this one disposition that has shifted all of humanity you know, we I guess the world thinks that it's normal. Every, per, every person around us probably thinks that it's normal, but the reality is that, is that it isn't because of what God's done through Jesus. And we see all these different things happening across the globe. We see wars. We see um, really intense political situations. We see, like, the selfie and me generation, you know, the, um, like, I need to show my whole life on Facebook and Instagram because I need to be loved and accepted um, because I don't feel loved and accepted because this one act of one man has separated me and everybody else from the only love that I actually need in my life. And this thing, this thing inside of us, it's actually an identity crisis. It's an identity issue. And it says in... In Romans 5, 17, it says, For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Death reigned through that one decision. We see the effects of sin, not necessarily sin being, you know, Sins, but sin being a disposition inside of the heart of man, being removed and being replaced by life in Jesus. And you know what? We are not like I said before. We're not made for that way of living. We're not made for that identity. We're not made for this thing that we've received from that one decision. We're created for a purpose. We're created to be the pleasure of God because He's so deeply loves us, and to be the lover of people, because we're to be the people who show other people the love of God. So, breaking that down, we're living for Him, and we're living living for others. So, I usually start my messages on a little bit of a high because I'm an excited, excited guy and I like a bit of fun. But, you know, I just felt that it's important for us to just refocus ourselves on the reason why we're speaking on identity is because this thing is rampant throughout uh, our whole globe. And we are talking on it because we've forgotten actually who we are and what we have in Jesus. So we're going to jump into the Word just now. We're going to go to Matthew. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your phone, it's also going to come up on the screen, and I'm going to flip to Matthew 5. And, uh, you know, many of us have heard this scripture before. It's um, it's the Sermon on the Mount. There's a very famous painting. I think it's done by Michelangelo, but he's like the only artist that I know anyway. And And he's standing on this rock, which doesn't really look very much like a mountain. It's kind of just like an outcrop of a piece of rock but it says the Sermon on the, uh, Sermon on the Mount in my Bible so I'm just going just to go with that and um, we're reading from verse 14 and uh, this is a really interesting statement because Jesus goes through what he calls the Beatitudes you know we've all heard it blessed are the poor in spirit for their, theirs is the kingdom of heaven You know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on and lists all of these things. And then just out of nowhere, in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. doesn't really make any sense in the context when he's talking about us being blessed and if we make these decisions to to live for Jesus, it says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So this is a chunky piece of scripture here because there's there's so many there's many layers to it. Every verse is like another layer of a beautiful onion. Onions are beautiful because they're I like them. They build flavour in everything that we eat. So um, this is an identity statement. Whenever Jesus is uh, in scripture, he's saying. Let's just put that put that verse back up if we can, Kaseya. Um he says, you are the light of the world. Whenever he's saying something like that, it, this, is a, this is a moment where we can actually take that into our, into our persona, in, into who we are, um, because he's telling us something that maybe we don't think that we are, but we actually are in him. So the disciples at this point don't even understand that Jesus is going to die for them. Um, does, they don't know that he's going to raise up to life after three days and he's going to remove every mistake that they've ever made out of their life and bring them back into relationship with him they don't know that they're going to be people who triumph over death or they're going to become people who overcome um, everything that comes uh, towards them in life they didn't know any of that but jesus he right there he is setting the scene for those people to receive their new identity So the message for my title is as simple as that. It is, I am the light of the world. Because you, you're the light of the world. You actually are. You're the light of the world. And I've been thinking, I've been thinking on this theme of light and, uh, you know, be like, you know, Lord, what what does it it mean? You know, thinking over it. And, um, you know, we've got so many different places that we get light from. We get light from the sun. um, We get light from the moon. Um, We get light from fire and I'm a gigantic pyromaniac. So I just want to light fires everywhere um, because I find them very exciting, very warming. Um, We can't light fires in Australia because the whole country will burn down because it's so hot. So I love being in Scotland because everybody's like, oh, let's light a fire, sit around it, read some books and have a a blanket or something. And I'm just like, yes, this is thank you, Lord, for calling me to Scotland. Like I want to be here forever because people light fires you know, we've got, we've got light bulbs just behind us. These don't emit very much light, but they, they look cool. You know, we've got light bulbs, you've got your iPhone or your Android. You go to concerts and you turn your, your flashlight on and you're like, yeah, woo And you're the, the one of the lame people that do that. And the, the funny thing is, another funny thing is, the interesting thing is, light cannot exist without the source for light itself. It needs energy. Um... Has anybody been watching Chernobyl? Yeah? Yeah? Yes. Kaseya, thank you. Chernobyl is... Uh, Morag and I have been watching Chernobyl. We've finished the, the, the series now, and it's a series on HBO about the Chernobyl disaster and uh, we're watching it and as we're uh, going through I'm like on Wikipedia like oh what's radiation oh nuclear reactors oh that's so cool oh my gosh this is like a really intense accident that is really covered up it's very awkward and uh, you know we're watching we're getting to three quarters of the way through the 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 show and Morag's like oh gotta go and I'm like no what are you doing to me like why why would you leave halfway through a show have to finish it and she's like no i've got to go to work tomorrow and uh got to get to sleep for it so you just got to wait and i'm like this is painful this is teaching me patience but i'm just i'm gonna do it anyway because you know you watch the thing together and i've been spending so much time googling these reactors and uh and finding all about it and i discovered um i learned rather that the sun is a gigantic nuclear fusion reactor and um, I'm going to attempt to explain it in very layman's terms. Um, basically, the sun is very hot, it's very dense, and there's loads of particles that are like spinning around inside of it. And what happens when you get nuclear fusion reaction is you have two positive charged things that because they're so uh, under so much pressure that they get forced together. And then in that forcing together, there is this um, pushing out of uh, an immense amount of energy and that's what happened that's what happens every 100 million quadrillion quadrillion times every single second not year not like not minute every single second that happens inside of the sun to create the heat and to create the light and to make our planet warm and to make photosynthesis happen so that we can have trees so that we can breathe so that we can live it is an unbelievably complex uh, piece of nature. But the thing is, is that if the sun didn't have that nuclear fusion thing happening, it wouldn't create any light or any heat. And in the same way that if I had a light bulb in my hand, there is absolutely nothing that I can do to make that light bulb light up. I can shake it around, I can throw it to you guys, and you can try something, you can put it in the ground. That thing is not going to light up unless it's plugged into its source unless it gets put into that socket on the wall. And the thing is, is that if we are the light of the world, how is that light powered? How is it that that light is powered? It is Christ in you. It is Christ in you. The power is the light. It's not the way that you think. It's not what you do. It's not because you go to church or you've got great ideas. It's not because your parents are Christians or because you serve in church or because you're holding a microphone and talking about Jesus. None of that makes you the light of the world, but it is Christ in you. It's Christ living inside you. And what happens when Jesus makes his home inside of us, when he lives inside of us, we become a new person. We get a new identity and our life gets transformed. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. You know, remember all that stuff I was talking about before with Adam, all the the bad thought patterns, the disposition towards serving ourselves, the disposition towards sin, all of that has removed, been removed, because you and I, we are a brand new creation in him and we are made new in the image of God. Your transformed life, what God has done inside of you. And this is a moment for us to just like uh, take a second and think, you know, if we met Jesus, um, if we have met him, what has God done in our life since we've met him? What, how did we used to think? What did we used to do? What was the way of living life that what happened before we before we knew Jesus? Because that is the the thing that sparks the light inside of us, realizing what is actually done in our lives is that. Energy. It's the electricity. That is the nuclear fusion reaction that's happening in your life that speaks volumes to your friends and your family and your coworkers and every single person around you. You know, it says in John 8 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness will have the light of life. Your friends and your family who don't have the same relationship with Jesus that we have, a relationship where he has saved us and set us free, those people are walking in darkness. And that's a really heavy word because sometimes we, we want to we speak life uh, and love over people, but the reality is, is if people don't know Christ, they're walking in in darkness. They're not walking in light. And it's our calling and our responsibility as followers of Jesus, and it's now part of our identity, because we are the light of the world, to shine light into people's lives and see them rescued by Jesus out of that darkness. And there's a word for this, and some of us have probably, probably heard it before, and it's a it's a word that starts with E, and I'm going to call it the E word, and uh, the E word is evangelism. And just as I take a drink of water because I'm parched as. It's probably sending shutters down people's spines. Because when we think of evangelism, we think of the guy on Bristow Square, God bless him so much, that stands on a black box and tells people that they're going to hell. And, uh, you know, he just tells people the truth. And we we have our own picture and experience of what evangelism is, and I want to pose to you something today that um, is probably a little bit controversial and might uh, is probably countercultural in church and is going against the grain. But you and I we don't necessarily do evangelism, but you and I are evangelism. Our life is evangelism to other people. How we live, the way that we speak, all of these things, they paint a picture of what it is to be a Christ follower. So we don't do it, we live it out. And, uh, you know, I want to tell you guys a story. I had, uh, I had the most amazing time in the Scottish borders about uh, two months ago. And I was there for my uh, one of my close friends, Stagdew, and we drove down through these beautiful country lanes. It's green everywhere. And we end up at this place, and it's a, um, a high ropes course and where you climb up into these trees with this, you know, big hectic harness on. And uh, I have a fear of heights, so... I don't feel too good when I'm doing these sorts of things, but Jesus was with me. And I'm walking across these, like, you know, tight ropes and, like, all these things that you hang off and you do Tarzan swings onto a big net. And at the end of each of these courses, there's a huge flying fox that goes all the way across, through these trees, and that does that a couple of times until you get to the final one, which is this huge, Um, length of cable that stretches across a valley which goes over a big river that's rushing underneath you and it was the most amazing experience to go down that flying fox and to look out into the distance and see all these mountains and beautiful green trees and I'm just like, just in heaven, just looking at all this beautiful stuff, stuff around me. So, I just told you that story really for no purpose but What I wanted to tell you is because there's two ways to tell a story. You could tell a story in a way that is exciting, is engaging, that people are connecting with, and they're like, oh, yeah, I kind of, like, I want to do that. And then there's another way of telling that story that is so focused on every detail. You know, I could have could have told you that I had poached eggs that morning at 7.15, but I didn't put enough vinegar in the water for my eggs for them to coagulate and come together. So they just kind of went everywhere, and I was really upset about my breakfast, but I was still happy that I was going to this stag do anyway. And you know when someone tells you those kinds of stories, and it... You, you just want that thing to end as soon as it possibly can because you're like, just get to the point. Just finish it. And, you know, I, I, want, I want to say something today in that our life and our life with God is one big story and the way that we communicate, to that, other pe- communicate that to other people uh, determines how it's received. It says um, in the other half of verse 14 in Matthew, it says, A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And then it says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. So my question for you today is, are you hiding your story? Are you putting that light underneath a bowl? Are you protecting it because maybe you might feel worried or ashamed about how you believe because of the way that society and culture is going at the moment? You know, if people don't know that you're in church every Sunday, if people don't know that you love the house of God, if people don't know that Jesus saved you from how you used to live, if you've done a transforming work in you and people don't know about that, then maybe for you personally, that's a moment where you need to do a health check in your faith. Because the natural outflow of us being in relationship with God is that people know that you know God. It just naturally comes out of you. You know, and I just want to make a caveat there. We all come from different backgrounds. And um, for some people, it's actually dangerous for them to share their faith. You know, I think about people in Muslim countries. I think about people who are, you know, around us right now who have families who, um, who uh, adhere to Islam. And it's, it is really dangerous. So I want to understand for those of you who, if it affects your, massive, affects your life in a massive way to share your faith... There's grace for that. But for those of us who have opened doors into people's lives and it doesn't carry that same intense risk, then that's a health check moment for us. You know, I'm going to create space as we pray uh, after this message for people who um, feel like they might need to rededicate their life in that area and uh, I would absolutely love to pray for you because God is so gracious and he wants to fill you with that same love that I was talking about so that you can, you can share what's going, going on inside of you. And, you know, one thing that I discovered is that um, in my life, when I was a baby Christian, is I'd be like, yeah, I just, just got to like share the truth, just got to speak the truth. And, you know, people were here and it's great. But I found that people didn't really take that in. They, uh, you know, didn't really listen and I got into a little bit of trouble and it was very humbling, had to make, you know, some apologies to people because I was very zealous for my faith. But what I've discovered now is that a truth lived is far more effective than truth told. So that is something for us to to remember is that our life speaks the truth of God, our life speaks the gospel, our life shows other people the transformation that he can do in their life because before their very own eyes, our lives are being shifted and changed. You know, so I want to um, uh, put a question that I want to answer for you today actually and uh, it's... A, Um, When we receive the, like, the transforming power of God in our lives, and when we receive His life, which is the light of Christ that shines uh, outside into other people's lives, um, there's got to be a thing that that, um, backs that up, because it can't be, we can't just be like, yeah, I'm transformed, sweet. But it has to be, we have to conform our lives to some certain things. We have to conform our life to God's word so that people actually see that there's something different. And, you know, going to that, that uh, chapter back in John, chapter 8, it says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The opposite of walking in darkness is walking in the light of life. So for for you and I, how do we bring like some practical things to actually be light in other people's lives? And if we read on in that verse in Matthew, it says in verse 16, "In, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, as much as I've said we don't do evangelism, but we are evangelism, there's stuff, that, there's stuff that we can actively do to share what God has been doing in our life. You know, I, I know a guy uh, in Australia, and he's a, he's a pastor in Australia. And uh, his name is <clears throat> Andrew, and he runs a church uh, in a place called Wollongong. He's got this amazing thing, on his life where he lays hands on people and they just get healed. They've got sickness in their body, they've got stuff holding them back in life and he just, he prays for them and that stuff is removed from his life and I've heard hundreds of stories of people's lives being transformed by this guy and is um, a uh, fantastic man and um, I heard a story that he told about um, when he was younger, he uh, before he was a pastor, before he was married. Um, he was hanging out with some friends and uh, spending some some time with a girl and uh, having a great evening together with everybody. And as the, as the group dissipated, um, he was spending some time with this young lady and uh, he had an opportunity to spend the rest of the evening with her, if you catch my drift, if you understand what I mean. And... Um, you know, uh, she, at this point, she didn't know Jesus. She had no relationship with God. So it's very normal for her to kind of go down that route. If there's like, there's passion, there's connection, there's a bit of spark, you know, you always, you, you know, go to the, the deepest moment of intimacy that you could possibly have with another person instead of just sharing life with them together. And, um, you know, uh, Andrew is approached and he says, no, like, I'm sorry, but I, I want to honour God. With my life, and I also want to honor God um, by honoring my wife, and I want to, you know, I don't want to have sex until I'm married. I want to put that to the side um, until that point, until I know someone so intimately and I'm, I'm married with them that uh, that that can happen. And uh, he he just walks out of there. The, the Bible says, you know, flee. So he fleed. He just ran straight out that door. And um, they didn't see each other or hear each other or speak anything for 30 years. They didn't say a single thing. And she gets in contact with him and she says, "Um, Andrew, look, my life has been a mess for the past 30 years. I had a marriage um, that broke down and then I had another marriage that broke down and I've had the worst, um, just the worst life for the past 30 years. I've had so much pain going on. And in the depth of, uh, of that pain, I remembered that moment that we had when we were younger that you said that you wanted to honour that God that you believed in and to honour your future wife. And that has, that has stayed with me for the, my whole life. And I just wanted to let you know that uh, I've made a decision for Jesus and uh, that's completely changed everything. Everything, You know, I'm doing well now. My mind um, and my, my mental health is completely solved. My relationship with my kids is fixed. The whole thing, her life was wholly transformed. And I think that this is a perfect example for us for moments of integrity because each one of us will be presented with moments where we can choose to live for Christ or not. And these moments become a, a beacon for people, they become a moment and an opportunity to share what God has done in our life and to do evangelism without necessarily preaching at someone because you made a decision that someone in the world would never make. So if you're taking notes, we're just going to make a list of a few things. And that, the first thing is integrity and Within integrity, and the second one is consistency. I think it's so important that you and I have the same message, that people see the same message coming out of our lives for the rest of our lives. If we are chopping and changing, if we're sad with God and happy with God, if um, you know we're in and out of church, if we're up and down in our faith, it doesn't communicate the right message to someone who could possibly have faith in Jesus because we're not giving the right example of what it's like to live life for Christ. It says in Psalm 62, 1-2, to it says, The Lord is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I'll never be shaken. So when we come into Christ and when we meet him and we have um, deep relationship with him, it shouldn't look so wavy up and down like this it should kind of look like this a scale is going up and up and up because people are seeing the transformation that God is doing in our lives we're becoming more like Christ we're becoming more holy and uh, you know yes we have hard times and we have good times but in Christ we have to be the people who let the waves of what is going on in life just crash over us and let our message still be the same, that God is for us, that he is good, that he has set us free and that he has transformed our life. So we have integrity, we have consistency and then we have love. And love probably should have been first but the way that I wrote it, love is the third option. So if you just take that down and it says in John 13, it says a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you, you are my disciples if you love one another. Man, it's pretty weird if you walked into a church and everybody hated each other and they're sick of everybody and I'm just sick of this thing. I don't want to go to church anymore. It's boring. It's not fun. You know, I don't like Mary over there. She's cranky all the time. And Janice. You know, I'm sick of her making bad cakes. You know, that's not the, the, the right uh, experience of church that people should be having. And also, you know, when people walk into the house of God, this place should be so filled with the love of God that it is shown not only in his presence, but also in our love for each other. They go, man, these people, these people are serious about this thing. And the way that we love each other or the way that we lay our lives down for each other, the way that we build each other up, encourage each other, we build up our faith with each other, and the way that we come together when those waves crash over us, that love speaks volumes to people who have never experienced that love before. We're not not speaking about romantic love. That's a whole different thing. You know, Andrew almost had a chance for that, but he put it to the side. We're talking about sacrificial love, the love that lays its life down for another person, love that keeps no record of wrongs and that has no expectation of getting absolutely anything in return ever. Imagine if you and I loved people every single person that we knew without expectation that they would give anything in return, that they would say anything kind to us, that we would just love them and that we would keep loving them and keep loving them and keep loving them because we're filled with God's love. And the funny thing about God's love is that it is endless. It never finishes. It just keeps going and going and going. And if you and I have been filled with that same love, we have access to receive that and then send it out to other people. So I encourage you, in your week, you're going you're gonna to encounter people who you want to place expectations on. But my thing is, let's just remove every expectation on people to perform and to meet a certain standard, but let's just love them because that's exactly what Jesus did. He loved the woman who was caught in adultery beyond uh, belief. What was expected to happen in that moment was that, you know, she stood there before the Pharisees and they, she should have been stoned. And then they asked Jesus, what should we do? And he said, well, if you've sinned, uh, if you've never sinned, then you should uh, throw the stone. And then they all walked away, the wisest of them first, getting to the most prideful at the last. And Jesus didn't throw the stone. He just left the lady there and said, you know, does anyone condemn you? No then you be on your way and and finish your life of sin and I think that that's really powerful and amazing because really what she deserved was that punishment because that was how the law worked in the time but there wasn't any expectation from Jesus that that should actually be placed on her so if we live our lives without expectation I think it's it's an amazing thing for people to to see and you know, the world is so lacking in love that when you love someone passionately and well and you love them with the love of God, it is, um, it's really, it messes people up because it doesn't make sense to their mind. They're like, never experienced something like this before. Like, why, why do you keep spending time with, you, with me? And going back to that moment with Adam in the garden and that disposition um, towards living for ourselves... Um, our love for people is a moment to shine into that and to light up that area of people's lives where they realise that something is just—it's just a bit off, you know. And yeah, so I encourage you—the way that you act around people, and the way that you um, that you talk, and the way that you walk, and that you—I li- guess the way that you live your life—reveals um, something to people. So during this week, uh, think about some things and the way that you might be able to, to shift that there. So the fourth thing, um, so we've got integrity, consistency, love, and then uh, the fourth thing is what we're speaking, what comes out, out of our mouth. Um, it says in Matthew twelve thirty four. it says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's that's probably one of the most simple scriptures ever, and it it's really telling us it's like what, what's going on inside of your life, what's going on inside of your heart, it is going to come out of your mouth. There's nothing that you can do to hide it and there's nothing that you can do to fake it because people are going to see it. So if, if in your heart is you know negativity or you think about always going to the worst option or the words that, um, the, that you have just experienced bad things, so you just speak negativity out of your mouth, then I would say that's, that's another moment for a health check because from the overflow of our heart, what's going on in our heart, our mouth speaks. So pay super close attention to the words that you speak, not because we need to say the right words, but because people see that stuff's going on in your life by the words that you speak. And if we're filled with faith and hope and love and joy... You're going to speak positivity in people's lives. And we're not talking about, um, like, just positive vibes. We're talking about you speaking those things into your friends' lives because it is just inside of you and you can't help but see uh, hope. You can't uh, help but love people and speak words of love and speak encouragement. And for me... um, Before I knew Jesus, which was about 10 years ago, I was an atheist, I was a really angry guy. Like, I was, honestly, like, I had uh, so much rage inside of me. A lot of it was because of stuff that had happened in my past. And um, when I met Jesus, um, got born again, my whole life was changed. And my joy, for me, has been my most powerful storyteller to my friends and family who don't know Jesus. They say, Miles, why are you so happy all the time? That's it. I get asked that question. I'm like, I'm sorry, it's just Jesus. Like, I have no other answer but that because it's not me who's making myself feel happy or, you know, like, be joyous. It's God's joy in me. And because my mouth is coming out with those sorts of words, people see that and they ask why. And that is my opportunity to share and I don't give some massive long thing. All I just say is, man, Jesus has changed my life. You should have seen me before. But here I am now, completely joyful, completely different. So the next thing, uh, number five, and it's our final point, and it is that we are seeing people differently. And this is out of Psalm 139, 11 and 12, and uh, everyone knows Psalm 139, you know, I've, in, in your mother's womb, I formed you, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it goes on to say that, um, that God is going to save us from the darkness that uh, comes around us. And because, say, if you could put that, that scripture up on the screen, Psalm 139, it says, Surely the darkness will hide me and the light around, uh, sorry, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you, for the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And it says in 1 John four seventeen, it says, as he is, as God is, who God is, who he is, in this scripture he is light, as he is, so are we in this world. And I think that that is one of the most powerful scriptures for us to grab a hold of because we look at the life of Christ, we look at the decisions that he made, we look at how he lived his life, we looked at how he moved in miracles, we looked at how he prayed for people and they got healed, we looked at um, we looked at how he loved sacrificially and we have received that same love. So as he is, so are we in this world. And, you know, we... Because of that, we've received uh, the same way that God sees people. And I think that that's so important for being a light is um, the world has a certain way of seeing people um, and puts them into boxes. But you and I, we have the opportunity to see people with their original created value as who God has made them to be. And it's like when you, when you receive Christ, you get. it's almost like we're living like this and then we put these new glasses on, yay, I can see you all. And it's, it's like hope vision. It's like we're given hope to see into people's lives. And when you're a light, you see into dark spaces in people's lives because you're a light. But also, when you're looking into people's lives, you see through the darkness that is on them that causes hatred, anger, bitterness, the weight of sin and you see through it to people's worth and value as a child of God. You see the people that they could become because the light of Jesus is lighting up every area that others would consider completely broken and unrestorable. It's hope vision. It's changing the way that we see people. It's seeing them as children of God. And it's so intrinsically linked to that thing before because I think it's, you know... If we are speaking negativity, we're going to see negativity in other people's lives. But if we're speaking hope, faith, life and love, we're going to see all of the things that uh, those things could create in somebody's life. So if you've got those down, integrity, consistency, love, the words you speak and how you see. And when you combine all of these things, you'll find that um, people notice that you're different because you live life differently to them. But the thing is, is that you can't do any of these things by yourself. For all of these five things to happen simultaneously, for them to come into reality for you, for you to live with integrity, for you to have a consistent message, for you to love, for you to have words of life, and for you to see people differently, you must have your life transformed by Jesus. That is the only way to do it. It's the only way. So I've got one more, one more thing, and it's a scripture from Romans. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in who, in, of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? It says that in Romans 10. And I've said in this message that we don't do evangelism, but our lives are evangelism to other people. And... That may be the case, but it's actually not an excuse for us um, to uh, not be bold when opportunities to share our life with people come our way. Because in church, we, we don't want to leave people unequipped. We want you guys to be equipped to be able to share the hope that you have received. It says in 1 Peter uh, 3.15, it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you the reason for the hope that you have And man, I've just got three points for sharing your story and it's so unbelievably easy. What was life like before you knew Jesus? What happened when you met Jesus? And what is life like now? And that is, for me personally, that is exactly how I do it. That's those five things are how I am a light to people and how we can be a light to people and that's exactly how I share my story. So... We are the light of the world. We're powered by the love of Christ in our lives. We're powered by our transformation. People see the transformation in our life and it is now our responsibility to just live life for Jesus and when we're approached, we just share our story.